God, there's healing in your word. There's cleansing in your word. There's rejoicing in your word and encouragement in your word. And I ask that all of those attributes would be present today as we preach the unsearchable riches of the gospel of Christ. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. There's a great song that is sung by our African-American brothers and sisters that is a, a great song. It's written by a man named James Weldon Johnson. It's been referred to as the African-American National Anthem, and it captures the sense of freedom that God has given to every one of us. It goes like this. Lift every voice and sing till earth and heaven ring. Ring with the harmonies of liberty. Let our rejoicing rise high as the listening skies. Let it resound aloud as the rolling sea. Sing a song full of faith that the dark past has taught us. Sing a song full of the hope that the present has brought us. Facing the rising sun of our new day begun, let us march on till victory is won. God of our weary years, God of our silent tears, thou who hast brought us thus far on the way, thou who hast by thy might led us into the light, keep us forever in the path, we pray, lest our feet stray from the places, our God, where we met thee, lest our hearts drunk from the wine of the world we forget thee. Shadowed beneath thy hand, may we forever stand true to our God and true to our native land. I think encapsulated in those words are the real truth of what God means to this country. For this country was not founded by irreligious people, but this country, this country was founded by people who were Christians, people who had faith, who longed to be free, to escape the tyranny of a tyrant. And God gave them this opportunity to come to a, a new land and to forge for themselves a better life, but most of all, the ability to worship God with freedom and let them, without any kind of hindrance or interference from other forces, be the people of God that they wanted to be. The Bible tells us that we should remember, we should have memory, Things we should remember, hey, the most, probably the most famous one is, remember Lot's wife. Well, we shouldn't be all that keen about remembering another man's wife. <laughs> remember Lot's wife. Why do we need to remember Lot's wife? Because there's a story behind her, her activity. And brother, she sure turned into a memorial, didn't she? She looked back when Sodom and Gomorrah was ablaze, and the Bible said and she turned into a pillar of salt. Another remember, remember the rock from whence you were hewn and that pit from whence you were dug. In other words, God says, don't forget your deliverance. Don't forget the peace, the grace, the mercy that came about when you were delivered. He also says, remember Calvary. Don't forget what Jesus did. Don't forget the cross. Don't forget the payment for our sin debt. Don't forget our emancipation proclamation through what Jesus did at Calvary's cross for us. You know, I, I read some statistics this last week at how much cost forgetfulness cost us in our economy. It's in the billions of dollars. Can you believe forgetfulness has a tremendous price? It cost us a lot of money. 
But I want to tell you, there's a greater spiritual price to be paid when we forget the spiritual things God wants us to remember. In fact, God told the Israelite nation, He said, remember these statutes and remember and keep these commandments. Write them upon your heart lest you forget. Lest you forget. I was visiting with Martha a few days ago and right in the middle of conversation she, she said, well, I forgot what I was going to say. And later on, she said, Brother, what was I talking about? What was I saying? And then she said, It's terrible. It's awful. Ain't it awful to not be able to remember? You know, forgetfulness is a tragic thing. It, it robs us of a lot of good things. Robs us a lot of good, good memories of, we would have with our, our, our family. It, robs us of that experience of kind of reliving in our mind's eye something that was cherished and treasured among us. Forgetfulness is, is, a, is a tough thing. It really, really is. Dementia is a terrible disease, and, and all, all of us know how terrible it is for people who suffer with Alzheimer's not to be able to remember who their relatives are and remember who uh, people are and I've walked in the room many times of people that I'd pastored 30 years and they didn't know me, didn't know me. In fact, I walked in with a son to visit his mother not long ago and she didn't know him. Isn't it awful that forgetfulness can just strip us of all those treasured emotional times and those realities, you know, when we want to uh, emote with people that we love, but the tragedy of forgetfulness separates and tears all that away from us. Where, where do wars come from anyway? Why, why do we need to remember people who, who have died? You know, if you'll go to the playground, you'll find out why wars come. Playground, you mean war is the result of childishness? Most of the time. It's mostly because somebody wants something somebody else has got. I said you want something that somebody else has got. Sometimes you had something that somebody else didn't like it because you had it. So you fight a war about it. Sometimes people are different and some people don't like them because they're different. Sometimes there are wars because someone is hurting others and someone needs to stop them. Wars come for all kind of reasons. But to maintain our, our memory of the price of freedom and the price of liberty, the Lord allowed this day to, to be a part of our schedule. It's Memorial Day. But there are greater things than that. You know, if we forget, we, we lose that, that experience. Did you know one of the greatest minds ever was Albert Einstein? Yet he reached a time in his life when he couldn't remember. Another great philosopher was Ralph Waldo Emerson. Have you ever heard of Emerson? Yeah, if you've been to school, you've heard of Emerson. Listen to this about him. In the latter years of his life, the 19th century American philosopher suffered from an increasingly faulty memory. And when things would slip his mind, he would complain and he'd call it my naughty memory. Naughty memory, as he called it. Sometimes Emerson would forget the names of different objects. In order to speak of them, he would refer to them in a roundabout way. For instance, when he would not think of the word plow, he would call it that implement that cultivates the soil. Sometimes we 
give the definition when we can't think of the word. Finchie's got an a aunt, and one day she was on her way to use the bathroom when the phone rang, and she said to her husband, said, Cliff, go to the bathroom for me while I get this call. Did you forget that somebody else can't go to the bathroom for you? Sometimes forgetfulness has, has, a, has a real price. Emerson, more important was the fact that he couldn't remember the names of people who were familiar to him. At the funeral of a friend, who was the poet Henry Wadsworth Longfellow, Emerson commented to another person, that gentleman has a sweet, beautiful soul, but I have entirely forgotten his name. Brother, B.A. Brown was a good friend of mine and Brother Fords as well and his son Tim is a good friend of mine. He's an overseer to this day. And Brother Brown was talking to a guy one time and he couldn't think of his name. And he said, Sir, he said, I, I, I know I know you and, and I have a great fondness for you, but I just cannot remember your name. What is your name, sir? And he said, Brown. When someone has the same name as you, you ought to remember their name. Mr. Brown ought to know who Mr. Brown is. <laughs> but sometimes we just don't get it like that, do we? There's a tragedy to forgetfulness, and loss of memory is a, is a sad thing. Forgetfulness erases certain personal history and leaves us void of understanding. You know, a lot of times we just get to a place to where we don't remember and don't get the facts right. Hey, I'm sure you do like me and Debbie sometimes when we remember. She remembers things totally different than the way I do. She remembers conversations totally different from the way I do. She remembers the price of things totally different from the way I do. I tell her sometimes she has selective memory. Memory kind of goes and comes for some, I guess. We remember what we want to remember. You could spit out your social security number in a, in a second. You can remember things that you commit to memory, things that you really make an effort and put some energy into remembering that, that thing. Well, Memorial Day is here upon us and we've got flags everywhere and we've got a day off from work tomorrow and to some that's the scope of it on this occasion we're called upon to remember and respect those who've died whose days are gone and it's no surprise to us that many people don't reflect upon the past during that holiday any more than they do any other day but in our age of over accelerated change and everything in transition we don't tend to look back to the past to find wisdom we see what has been largely as irrelevant to what is now. But I want to tell you, there's a, there's a value to history. There's a value. What, is it, what does value teach us? Number one, it teaches us don't make the same mistakes. Because as some of you would tell me, that's the definition of lunacy, is to expect a different result when you keep doing the same thing. Hey, that'll preach. As Don would say, that dog will hunt. Amen. 
Yeah, when you keep doing the same thing, expecting a different result, that's lunacy. Because you'll always get the same result when you put the same action to work. We shouldn't expect the outcome to be different when we keep doing the same mistakes. I told you one day about Vicki, Gary's sister. She was secretary down there at the uh, body shop, and I was in there one day, and they were running a, uh, one of those bloopers things on television. Do any of you watch them? Debbie does. Bloopers. Well, they had one of this guy riding a bicycle on what looked like a, a balance beam. A little piece of wood about that wide. He kept running it, and when he got to the end, that bicycle just went straight off down and hit, and the guy had terrible, terrible collision with the ground. And then they backed it up, and they'd run it back, and the bicycle would go backward, and they'd run it over, and it'd go again. They'd back it up and run it over, and it'd go again, back, and it would go again. And Vicky said to me, she said, You know, Brother Jerry, said the craziest thing about that for me is he just keeps doing it. I said, Vicky, go get you some hair color, darling. It's a tape. They're rewinding the tape. He's not doing it over and over. Sometimes we're so predictable that it might as well be a tape because we keep doing the same thing and keep reacting the same uh, way. Throughout the scriptures, we find references to monuments and memorials. You remember when the people of God were encamped at the Red Sea and they were about to pass over? And the Bible said that when they had passed over that God told them to put a memorial in the midst of the sea? In the middle of the sea. Well, wait a minute, God. We want memorials to be where people can see them. Well, it wasn't for people. God put it there so he could remember. You mean God needs to remember? Well, you remember when God was, had terminated Hezekiah's life and his pastor Isaiah came in to him and Isaiah said to him, he said, the Lord sent me by here to tell you that you're going to die and not live. Set your house in order. You're not going to live. And the Bible said, and Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and he said, Lord, remember. Lord, remember. Remember how I've lived. I call that grounds for appeal. Lord, remember how I have lived. Remember how I've done that which is right in your sight. Remember how I've walked uprightly before you. Remember how I've prayed. Remember how I've been true to my calling as a king. In fact, if, if you would look at it, the Bible said Hezekiah was there was none greater than Hezekiah's king. And the Bible said as Isaiah was walking out through the outer courts, leaving the presence, the Lord spoke to him again. And the Lord said, Isaiah, go back in there and tell Hezekiah that I've remembered. And tell him that I've seen his tears. And tell him that I've heard his prayer. And I'm going to add 15 years onto his life. I love it when God remembers, don't you? So that stone was placed there in the midst of the sea so that God would remember, so that God would look upon it. 
and remember the everlasting covenant. Hey, God put a, a memorial in the, in the sky one time. He had a, a, a guy named Noah that had built a boat and he and eight other souls were spared and God said, I will never destroy the world again with water. And God said, I, he put a bow in the clouds thereof and he said, and every time you look upon it, you'll remember the everlasting covenant that God will never destroy the world with water again. You mean God is into monuments and God's into that kind of thing? Yeah. When they crossed over Jordan and went into the uh, promised land, the Bible said that Joshua put a rock there and called the name Ebenezer. Ebenezer. Why are you putting a rock out here at Ebenezer? Because God said when you look upon it, you remember this day and remember that I miraculously brought you over this Jordan. Why do I need to remember it? Because as Glenn Dean used to sing, if he did it before, he'll do it again. If he delivered you before, he'll deliver you again. If he healed you before, he'll heal you again. If he blessed you in some particular way, he'll bless you again. Hey, you need to remember and put up some memorials. This was where God blessed me. This is where God supplied my need. This is where God moved in my direction and helped me in my affliction. You need to have a good memorial place that you can remember those things. In fact, he said, when your children come by and your children looks at that rock and says, Daddy, What's that rock doing there? Oh, son, let me tell you why that rock is there. That rock is there because one time we were needing to get across this Jordan River and it was flooded and out of banks and we had no way. And the Lord made a way when there was no way. The Lord brought me through when there wasn't a way to get through. The Lord put a door there when there was no door. And God came to my aid and came to my rescue and touched me when I had no other recourse. And that's what that rock means. Isn't it great to know that in Washington, D.C., you know what the tallest thing is in Washington, D.C.? It's the Washington Monument. In fact, there's a law in the books in the city of Washington, D.C. that says no building can be built higher than the Washington Monument. Hallelujah. And you know what? You can't see it. The greatest number of the population can't see it. But there's words on the top of the Washington Monument. You know what it says? Let God be praised. Let God be praised. Yeah, but you're going to fight a world war. You're going to lose hundreds of thousands of men and women's lives, yet let God be praised. Long may our anthem be, let God be praised. You're going to get in a long and difficult war in a Southeast Asian country called Vietnam. Yes, but let God be praised. Come on, somebody. There's going to be a lot of Wars, you're going to have to fight war on drugs, war on terror. There's an Iraqi war. There's Iraqi freedom. There's desert storm. There's enduring freedom. All of the wars that go on. In fact, you might say this world is a warmongering world. 
Right now as I'm talking to you, there's 120 wars going on in the world, on the globe. This Bible that I preach of says the last days will be plagued with wars and rumors of wars. But he said, lift up your head and rejoice when you see that time. Why? Because your redemption draweth nigh. Because above every other thing, let God be praised. Above war, above famine, above pestilence, above tragedy, let God be praised. A failing economy, let God be praised. Sickness and disease, let God be praised. Let it be the tallest thing in your life and the highest virtue in your life to let God be praised. What a memorial that God has. Throughout those scriptures we find those things in the Old Testament text. The Passover was a memorial. He said, don't you ever forget. He said, in fact, you have a memorial day. An Israeli memorial day is called the day of Purim. An Israeli memorial day is called the day of atonement. When God provided for them, when the plague in Egypt was that the eldest son and every family would die. Thanks be to God, every time there is judgment, God always provides grace. I said, God always extends grace when judgment is involved. Like right now, we're talking about the days of grace. If you read Revelation, you'll find a time when terrible atrocities are going to happen on this earth. There's going to be a terrible time in this earth in the period we call a tribulation period. But right now, we're living under days of grace. Right now, if you'll hear His voice, right now, if you'll obey His word right now if you'll accept his invitation right now if you'll believe on the Lord Jesus there's grace sufficient amen right now to evade that judgment that's coming come on somebody hey God informed the people of Israel there's going to be a a, a terrible judgment a, a day of judgment upon the people that have you held in bondage but he said if you'll take a lamb take a lamb a spotless lamb a perfect lamb Shed its blood and smear the blood upon the post of your dwelling. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. Praise God. So when the death angel came that night in Egypt, the, from the palace of the Pharaoh to the little poorest village dwelleth there was, there was heard anguish and crying. But for God's people who understood the virtue of the blood smeared upon the door lintel. They were preserved during the Passover. So now they call that the Passover. And every day of the year, one day of the year, every year they celebrate that one fact that God gave them protection and healing, glory to God, through the blood, the sacrificial offering of a lamb. Could I tell you that for every one of us, every day is Passover. I said every day for us is Passover. Every day for us is the day of atonement. Every day for us is a day to celebrate the fact that the Lamb of God shed His blood, gave His life so that we could have liberty and freedom through the Lord Jesus Christ. What a memorial day for us! 
Every day ought to be Memorial Day. Every day we ought to remember what was done for us at Calvary's cost so that we could be free. Hallelujah. What a powerful, powerful message that is. Every year when they gather in Jerusalem and they celebrate Passover, they celebrate something that happened in the past, one day and one happening. When we celebrate Passover, our lamb is not a lamb that died, but he rose again. Yeah. <laughs> our lamb is not a lamb that stayed dead. Yeah. Our lamb is not a, a lamb that lost his blood. His blood still avails for the sins yeah. of the whole world. Our lamb is a different lamb. Our Memorial Day is a day that we celebrate the eternal life of Jesus, the eternal atonement through his shed blood, the everlasting forevermore deliverance that we have through what Jesus did at Calvary's cross. And God said, God said, I will remember what my son did at Calvary's cross. And when the accuser of the brethren comes against you, I will remember. God remembers and God also can forget. He said, I will remember your sins no more. God said there will come a time when I won't remember. I kind of humorously sometimes say to people praying, God, don't you remember what a scoundrel I was before you saved me? And God says, no, I don't remember that. God, don't you remember what a sorry, low-down somebody I was before you saved me? And God says, no, I don't remember that. Don't you remember what I, what I did, how I mistreated my family? Don't you remember how sorry I cheated people, I lied, I stole? Don't you remember that, God? No, I don't remember that. No, we don't. So far as the east is from the west, so far hath the Lord removed our transgressions from us, blotting out our transgressions, taking them out of the way. Because God remembers them no more, why do you? I said, if God remembers them no more, why do you? Why do you keep trying to bring that up? Come on. When God says, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, but God, you know the life I... God, no, I don't. I, I've already dealt with that at a cross. I, I dealt with that when the blood was applied. I, I dealt with that. I, I've already forgotten about that transaction. I don't know anything about that. I don't remember it. Quit trying to remind me. Live in victory. Live in peace. Live in joy. Live in confidence. Live in assurance. Quit trying to remind me of what you used to be. I'm only concerned about what you are now. Hallelujah. Lord, Mike, if I wasn't so dignified, I'd shout a little bit over that one. That's good news. That's good news. 
If God has forgotten it, why do you keep beating yourself up over it? Why do you keep self-flagellation, they call it? Wish I had a whip. I'd show you how folks do that. Pow, beating up on themselves. Somehow think that God is pleased by them beating up on themselves. Yeah, there are people in Israel that, that walk the streets with a whip trying to relive Calvary. Trying to recreate it and flagging until blood comes out of their back. Scars from where they've done it so many times before. But oh, there's a, a blessed thought. There will never be another Calvary. There'll never be another Golgotha. There'll never be an arrest. There'll never be a house of Caiaphas. There'll never be a thorn pierced brow of our Savior. That will never, ever happen again. The next time he comes, he won't have to die for me. Next time he comes, there won't be a Calvary. For the next time he comes, it will be one eternity. For the next time he comes, he'll be coming for me. Oh, he's coming for me. I said he's coming for me. Is he coming for you? I said, is he coming for you? Next time he comes, he's coming for me. Oh, blessed be God. Victor, come on up here and play a little bit for me. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 49, and I believe it's 15 and 16. Can you put that up there for me, Adam? God said, I've got a memorial. It's not a tombstone. It's not a graveyard. And it's not an epitaph. But God said, I have got a memorial. In that chapter, he says, See, I have engraven you on the palms of my hands. And your walls are ever before me. God's got a memorial that goes with him always. On God's palm of his hand, he's got Donald Ray Maddox. Woo. On the palm of God's hand, there's a memorial. Now you write your grocery list on the palm of your hand, don't you? Sugar, meal, milk, eggs, bread, God said, I've got something a whole lot more important to write on my palm than that. I write your name. I write your name. I write your name. I have engraven your name upon the palms of my hand. Amy Nail. Can you believe that your name is written in heaven? Can you believe that there is a God who by His power is overseeing your inheritance right now? It's reserved for you? When Laverne used to fix me that blueberry cobbler that we all love of hers, she'd put some up for the pastor because she knew all of you would eat it before I could get around to it. And she'd reserve some 
for me. And she'd put it in a certain place in there in the kitchen, Charles. And she'd write, Pastors. Had my name on it. Reserved for me. If you went in there and started to steal it, you'd see my name and say, I better not get that. That belongs to Pastor. Come on, somebody. Did you know that somewhere in the heavenlies, God has your inheritance laid up in store for you, reserved in heaven for you, that your name is written upon that. So God is saying, so I can keep up with how many folks I'm guarding, so I can keep up with how many folks I'm keeping, so I can keep up with so how many folks I've blotted out their transgressions. I'm going to write their name. These are the free ones. These are the healed ones. These are the delivered ones. These are the blessed ones right here. Jerry Bowman. Carlos Payne. Jimmy Perry. Lord of mercy. Brother Jerry, you, you really, do you really believe that? If I didn't believe that, I'd get on my knees right here, right now, and I'd gather every one of you around me, and I'd say, don't you let me get up from here until I believe that. Until I believe that. I wouldn't leave this house until I believe that. Until I believe that. Because I believe that, I can face tomorrow. Because I believe that, I can go on. Because that memorial that my father has is so important to me. I want my name to stay written on his hand, don't you? I want it to stay written on his hand. Praise the Lord.